0: We'd first like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is being produced and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and those emerging and acknowledge their spiritual connection to the country.
1: In May 2020, the United Nations released a report on how the COVID-19 pandemic was impacting mental health. They concluded that the pandemic was leading to a major worldwide mental health crisis. One year later, the effects of this crisis are still being felt by a number of university students who are struggling to access mental health support. Carly Douglas investigated the current supply and demand issues these students are facing.
2: right to go? Well thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, I know Minister Foley's been...
0: In response to to the Royal Commission into Mental Health earlier this year, the Andrews Government pledged $870 million to mental health services in Victoria.
2: $870 million in new money for more beds, better treatment, better care, making sure that everyone across the community who has a mental illness can get the care that they need when they need it.
0: After a move to online learning last year affected the study of thousands of university students in Victoria, many higher education students have finally returned to campus in 2021. But for some, the return has led to a kind of post-COVID anxiety, with students struggling to get help. So I spoke with a few students on campus at RMIT University here in Melbourne, and it seems they have had pretty mixed experiences with the mental health services available to them. So one of the students I spoke to was Chantelle Hayden, who had contacted RMIT Mental Health Support Services after struggling with social anxiety on a return to face-to-face learning. So Chantelle, why did you decide to contact RMIT rather than an independent psychology practice?
2: Um, so I don't really like it when people... I don't like to tell people when I'm struggling or anything and contacting an independent psychologist will kind of just mean that I'd have to tell people that I'm struggling. So it would have just, for me, it's just a bit easier if I could have just booked an appointment to see someone on the day that I have class, so I can go talk to someone, go to class,
0: come home. It's just like easier for me that way. And with your mental health issues, did they stem from COVID and the lockdowns and being out of uni, or were they, were they just exacerbated by that?
2: Um, they stemmed a bit from COVID, I guess. I have like minor social anxiety. So having to integrate with people again after being like stuck in my house for so long was so stressful. Like, and I had all these new engagements like, that I had to meet people for like straight off the bat, and it just made me a bit like really anxious and it kind of got me to like a point where I had to speak to someone because I couldn't have a conversation without overthinking it after.
0: Yeah, and when was this? When did you decide to contact a counsellor at RMIT?
2: Um, So I tried to contact someone maybe around mid-March,
0: and what happened when you did ask for help from a counsellor
2: when i tried so i tried to book online because i didn't want to talk to anyone over the phone and when i tried to book an in-person session the first time i couldn't get any sessions at all it was like there's none available and for like a phone session the closest date was like the 16th of april like all the way in like the next month. And I was like, well, what if I don't need help by then? So I just decided to leave it. And I tried again like a week later, hoping that a slot would open up, but I didn't get anything.
0: So how did that make you feel knowing that you just couldn't get the help you needed when you needed it?
2: It kind of just, I kind of felt disheartened because I really needed to, I really needed help and I really needed to speak to someone and I really just wasn't getting through to anybody and I was like maybe it's just a sign that I need to just learn how to deal with this myself rather than speaking to somebody else about it because I tried and it didn't work so.
0: Did you have friends at RMIT or maybe at other unis that had the same sort of experience where they tried to reach out for help and just couldn't get any?
2: Um, I had a friend who sort of went through something similar at a different uni and for her she had a similar experience where she couldn't get through to anyone but her anxiety is a little bit worse than mine so it got to the point where she had like no other option and she had to reach out and use like some kind of like emergency contact and she managed to get through but it it like didn't help that you kinda of had to push it down until so she was at
0: almost like a breaking point to reach out for any kind of help. So have you considered now going if if your anxiety does ramp up again, have you thought about going to outside psychology clinics or even government funded um therapy? I know there's a few sessions out there at the moment with the $870 million that the Andrews government has given to mental health. I know there's a few more services. Have you looked into that?
2: Um, I have, and I've decided that if it gets to that level again, that I am probably going to have to look at, like, telling my parents and then going to see a counsellor, like, outside of RMIC because I've just kind of given up on using the mental health services because there's always like a queue and it's always like a month in advance
1: so what do we know about the help that is currently available to RMIT students like Chantelle who are seeking mental health support
0: So, RMIT has 13 counsellors available at the city campus and over 45,000 students, which means there are over 3,400 students to each counsellor. Obviously, not all students would be struggling with mental health issues, but this just shows how little the supply is compared to the demand. This isn't to say there isn't help available though. There is an after hours urgent line for people who are in dire need, And when called it only took about a minute to connect to help.
1: So are people able to get face-to-face appointments as well? Because I think there's a lot to be said about how people can maybe better connect with counsellors in person.
0: Well that's the thing, it's all over the phone and there's no availability for a phone counselling session for about three weeks.
1: So do we know how or if the proposals from the Royal Commission will influence mental health services in universities? It seems the
0: proposals were very focused on school-age students rather than university students. So there was no mention of university or higher education students in all of the 65 proposals and the nine from last year's report as well. So in primary schools, government-funded tutors are now available to students who are falling behind and further initiatives are planned to roll out before 2022. But it just seems like universities have been left to their own devices.
1: And so, aside from the wait time when booking an appointment online with the counsellors, how do we know that the demand is still high?
0: A Monash University study released late last year reported that people aged 18 to 29, who are usually the age bracket for university students, were especially vulnerable to mental health problems during the restrictions and the lockdowns, with people who had lost opportunities for study and work particularly vulnerable as well. This has kind of been backed up by a study that was released by Beyond Blue in January this year, which showed that there was an increase of 46.6% compared to last January in calls for help. But I wanted to know more, so I decided to speak with Brunswick RMIT counsellor Lyndon Medina to better understand what's going on.
3: I think most students, most if not all students, adapted in the end because they had no other choice. You know, because even if you even in private practice where in the past they were able to see, you know, you could see a counselor or a psychologist or even a GP, you know, face to face that was also limited. Yeah. Um, I mean, the negative aspect to it is that um, the uncertainty, how long is this going to last? You know, that that big change. um, There was a lot of deaths happening around as well you know, so that 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 impacted, you know. So all those were, were much bigger because you also couldn't go out and interact really. Overall, I saw that trend of kind of, well, I got to adjust somewhat after that, those initials.
0: Yeah, um, obviously, so from what you're saying, it seems the severity of the issues that people were coming forward with, uh, mm-hmm. well, that was significantly increased. Mm-hmm. Would that be fair mm-hmm.
3: to say? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we're not, it's not even over yet. You know, even, even to this day, I mean, certainly a little bit better because, you know, you've got classes one day a week or two days a week, you can actually see your partner. If you have a partner, yeah, you can see your family borders open, but last year was really hard. I think.
0: No, we noticed that there was only, I think there's only like just over 15 counselors at RMIT between mm-hmm. all of the Melbourne mm-hmm. campuses, which when you think about it, you think, oh, that might be right, but when you have 45,000 students at the campus in the city, mm-hmm. then like that we worked it out and it's something like three and a half thousand students to one counsellor. Mm-hmm. So have mm-hmm. you have you found yeah. that you kind of wish there was more counsellors and you had more colleagues to deal with the amount of people because some people are waiting up to three weeks for a, for a five yeah. Week.
3: Well, I think that's a perennial issue, and not only the counseling service at RMIT. And we know there were some studies that, like, there was a benchmark that's been made that ideally, I think there should be one counselor per 1500 students. Yeah. Um, That's the ideal. um, It was some sort of guidelines, one of the associations of counselors. Yeah. And, but no uni meets that. Yeah. Uh, around around Australia so why do you
0: think that uh, why do you think that universities mm-hmm. just never actually meet that quota? why do you think that they just won't employ more counselors?
3: That's a 64 million dollar question right? Uh, I don't know I mean economically somehow I mean if you think about it it's not student support it's not only counseling servers or mental health you've got other you know you got study support, Equity and diversity, careers related, um, you know, careers and employment, uh, scholarship, uh, emergency accommodation and funding. So, you know, the um, whoever decides at the top, they have to kind of allocate a certain percentage or budget, at, right? And I don't think it's, you know, it's not only the counselling service. I know we're talking about mental health, but in my view, there's also, there are all those other pockets of services that could do could be funded more and if if they were you could do more
1: that was carly douglas reporting for rmit melbourne and that's it for our podcast today we will be back next week with an outlook on a new issue facing victorians